Welcome to this week's episode of the Chopping Wood Inside podcast, the Twin Peaks podcast for conspiracy theorists and aficionados. I'm your host, Murphy. I think Tom's out there. It's a fucking morgue! Ah, oh, what a great scene. We're here to talk about um, part nine uh, of Twin Peaks. We just watched it a few minutes ago. Tom, what do you think? Um, overall, I, I really enjoyed this episode, just like I've joy, uh, enjoyed the you know, previous eight parts. I'm going to uh, resist saying this is the best one until you know I've seen all 18. Obviously, I think it's going to be hard to trump part eight, which I think is iconic and will probably go down as you know, maybe one of the greatest hours of, of, of television history. Um, but I did. I did. I think that there was a little bit more exposition in this episode, but it seemed necessary, especially after last week's interlude, which um, gave us some interesting answers about possibly origins of, of Bob and uh, uh, Laura Palmer and the woodsman slash Dugpas. But uh, I think now here we are connecting more dots with Buckhorn and William Hastings, who has returned after his, uh, um, he's been missing for about six episodes. So it was great to see him again. So what were your thoughts? Uh, I thought it was a great episode, but it felt like a not, it, sometimes it felt unpleasant to watch because of the pacing. Um, it started out slow, but it picked up. I think it's going to be a great episode once we see it in the context of the entire series. But the, after the last one, I mean, you can't top that. So you've got to have a scene where you go to the bathroom or you take a breath. And I think the first 20 minutes of this uh, you know, episode kind of felt like that. It felt like a take a pause moment. And then all the exposition rolled in and all the like stuff we've been talking about with Major Briggs started to really come true. I mean, almost in a too on the nose way but it was uh i loved all the the scenes with uh the briggs family and that we've been waiting for betty's reveal the entire season and we got it well what did you think about uh mr c so we started the episode off with mr c walking down a dirt road in broad daylight and he finds a red bandana and meets up with um chantal played by jennifer jason lee and her husband hutch played by tim roth so when I saw him, though, when he's walking down this or coming towards the camera and he's all he's a bloody mess from you know the previous night, I saw Frank Silva or Bob in his like face expression, whether it was makeup, you know, Kyle McLaughlin's great acting. Um, I, I just rewatched that scene just really you know briefly before you know talking to you, and it, it does it's 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 not uncanny, but it really does evoke Bob. So my thought is because it was unclear that you know or if Bob was you know extracted from him by the woodsman, or if you know he was just revived and you know remained in him. That uh, I after seeing you know you know Mr. C's first two scenes here in part nine, am going to assume that Bob is still within him because there really hasn't been any really noticeable change in his demeanor or his plan. Um, it's still, you know, status quo. 
you know, end Maybe game he's side. crying on the inside, though. You know, maybe he's harboring <laughs> some, you know, sadness, but he's not going to talk tell his minions about it. He's going to stay strong. He's not going to say, I lost my superpower. You know, he'll keep he did show Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, Chantal, like his wounds. He lifted up his shirt and showed her. Yeah, he looked uh, like he'd been wounds. healed somehow. Like the, the Dugpas had worked their magic on him because I thought he was bleeding out. So he's, he's at least he seemed to, didn't have to go to the hospital. You know, the shell she had to get up was her, was her first aid kit. <laughs> like, Let <laughs> me get the kit. <laughs> like that's all, that's all he needed. So he's fine. But the Dugpas, don't you think it's they could have maybe at least like, you know, given him like a, like a sponge bath or something or like, you know, kind of clean him up a little bit? With their tongues? <laughs> Someone did actually. He's not covered in complete blood anymore. So someone did tongue bath them off a little bit. <laughs> well, so, you know, there's that, uh, uh, you know, we, we, I don't think that this is the farm, you know, that he was talking to Ray before, you know, that scene where Ray plugged him twice about going to that place, the farm. I think Ray is now going to the farm. I think this is just the place that um, uh, he was to meet Chantal and Hutch after knocking off Ray, but obviously he was unable to do that since Ray turned, you know, the tables on him. So I thought this was like, you know, prearranged. So because I think uh, Tim Roth's character Hutch said that, you know, we expected you last night. Obviously that didn't happen. Um, but uh, do you think that was the farm? Because um, I, I I still think that uh, the farm. Well, Ray wasn't there, weeks. so it's not the farm that Ray was talking about, right? So right, no, right. But no. it was like a farm, right? I mean, there were. You know, didn't it, it did look, look farm like? A, I didn't see like any cattle or anything like that. They weren't feeding. Did chickens. you notice when I think Mr. C and I want to say it's Tim Roth are uh, walking in front? They, they they appear like from the side of a like this structure, this little house or whatever. And there is a couple, an older couple, like on the ground. And the woman, I yeah, believe, they're dead. <laughs> the people are they, they dead or were they sleeping? No, they they're dead? dead. Those okay, are the couple right. that they killed, the people that lived in the house. They came and killed them and they just left So them when out. he said, <laughs> oh, they're on the other side of the property or whatever he said, that was you know, the insinuation that, oh, they, they'd killed them. You know, they're yeah. dead. And so we see their bodies. Okay. Yeah. I thought maybe they're just taking a little nap or, you know, maybe like, they like had puppies, heard the Like a big woodsman. pile of puppies on top of each other? <laughs> well, maybe they had Humans heard the woodsman's... T- they don't nap like that, yeah. <laughs> they've heard the woodsman's mantra of like, you know, uh, this is the water and this is the well. And, they're, you know, they're, they're a little sleepy. Maybe there's a little yeah, reverb from 1956. And, yeah. yeah, it's possible. I think, is there anything else to say about this scene? Like, Yes, Mr. C <laughs> gets a clean phone after getting dressed by Chantal. And he sends a cryptic message to someone we don't know. And I believe the message is around the dinner table or around the dinner table. The conversation is lively Lively. and it's sent to an unknown person. But we do find out um, about midway through this episode that Diane receives this message. Yeah, that's one of the most intriguing things in the entire episode was that first I was like, holy shit, is she... Like in cahoots with with Mr. C, or is she like some Manchurian candidate type uh, brainwash victim of him? Like he's sending her some sort of magic, uh, you know, enchantment that's going to turn her into a zombie. You know, I didn't know what that was, but it made me feel weird. It made me feel like perhaps uh, their scene uh, in episode seven maybe wasn't completely sincere. Like maybe they possibly could have been doing that for uh, the police and the FBI watching it, that they really have some other like ulterior thing going on. I didn't get that impression, and I certainly didn't get that impression when she received that text message. Um, if you look, it, it says it's from an unknown number or unknown contact, but I think that 
it has some relevancy. It means something to her. Now, whether or not that is attributed to or connected to Mr. C is, you know, open for speculation. But I don't think she right now, I don't think she's in cahoots. I don't think there that interrogation scene was just an act because, you know, Cole and company were listening. I, I felt that was really a genuine. Well, objectively, though, Mr. C sent her a text message that was very suspicious and strange. Well, she, okay, so she... And she might airplane. recognize from the past as being something. That's what I'm thinking. Well, what about this? It's the, an unknown phone or not, but it, it's a very recognizable uh, little sentence that she's like, oh, shit. Right. It could be something between, you know, Cooper, you know, and Diane from the past that has, you know, like a cow jumped over the moon that has meaning just between the two of them. Yeah, that's the second thing. He did the cow jumped over the moon when he busted out of prison or he was sending that or doing that weird phone call to Philip Jeffries. And now this is the second little limerick type thing. Right. Right. But if you notice in the airplane scene with uh, the FBI, Cole, and you know they're, 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 they get the, the message from Colonel Davis about Briggs' body being found in, in Buckhorn, but there's a little quick scene of Diane looking at her phone, and it says blocked. Yeah, blocked. What does and that mean? I mean, if, okay, so if you don't get any you know, service because you're you know, on an airplane, it wouldn't say blocked, right? It would just... I would say no service, right? No, no, yeah, that was some weird lynching. And again, CGI, strange blocked. Like, what does well, that when mean? He, when Mr. C was sending her the message, there was also, if you noticed very closely when he was uh, either right, I think maybe right after he had typed in, you know, that, that text, there was also like a series of numbers. And I wrote them down. It's like JKL5 and then WXYZ9. Now that could just be. He typed those you know, into that like flip phone thing. You mean? Yeah, it is little flip phone. So maybe there was something that would block Diane's phone for the time being. I, I don't know. I'm not a, a. I'm a luddite when it comes to all this technology. But well, he's um, making this stuff up as he goes along. <laughs> I don't know he's doing. Well, there was one other thing. There was one other thing with the scene with uh, uh, at that location with Mr. C and uh, Chantal and Hutch. Uh, Mr. C make, places a phone call to Duncan Todd in Las Vegas and asks if the job has been done. And Duncan Todd says, says not yet. And then Mr. C, I believe, says, um, um, it better, be, well, it better be done. Yeah. And okay. then, right. So then Mr. C tells Hutch to kill Warden Murphy. So we're going to get yeah, some. He had it coming. Is that, you know, I think that also ties into your theory that he gave uh, Ray the gun or something. You know what I mean? Like, oh no, I, I totally agree with that. I think that's the case. I mean, I think Mr. C knows that uh, it wasn't Ray who tricked him; it was Warden Murphy. But um, also, he tells Hutch after list. that there's also going to be a double header in Vegas, which makes me think that there's going to be two hits in Vegas. Now that could mean Dougie and that Jenny. No, my, my thinking is it might be um, Dougie, I think, yes, because maybe he doesn't have faith in Duncan Todd that he can pull it off because he's 0 for 2 right now, and also getting rid of Duncan Todd. So maybe it's yeah. Dougie and Duncan. So so that's a little – so I think there's – you know, if that is the you know insinuation, then after Hutch and Chantal, you know, you know get rid of Ward Murphy, they're heading to Vegas. So um, – all points are converging to Vegas, which I always suspected before we get that subplot to Twin Peaks, you know, with Cooper. Yeah, we end up in Vegas in the next scene. We end up in Dougieville, and he's at the Las Vegas Police Department filing the uh, 
I guess all the paperwork necessary for the car explosion that happened, um, and we get a great, wonderful scene that I wasn't a big fan of, but I'm sure some people are fans of David Kochner and stuff from Anchorman. Might enjoy the comedy stylings of the Fusco. What are they, detectives? Detectives uh, Fusco, I think. Yeah, they're all either the all brothers name, or... Yeah. Yeah, cousin, brother, who the hell know the combination is, but yeah, it's just a lynch. But it was a long scene, you know, that I don't really want to talk about except for the end of it, which is Cooper's, Cooper sitting outside, you know, with Janie in the hall, and he's just staring at this American flag and his, like, uh, latent patriotism and all the maybe times he's... America uh, the Beautiful, right? Life. Yeah, America, we start to hear America the Beautiful, and so he's remembering that, too. Uh, but then that's cut off by uh, an attractive woman in high heels walking by, which, is you know, Dougie's going to, you know glance at and so we follow her walking by in the red shoes heels and what do we see on the wall that he focuses on well it's a like an electrical socket which yeah is i think dougie remembering how he returned to and you thought it was gonna like light up or something you thought something was gonna happen didn't you i thought we would at least get some kind of like lynchian electrical crackle that we've heard associated with the, the woodsman but i did like it i did like yeah, that there was a long slow zoom into, into dougie's eyes right yeah this time more yeah, well, than I mean, we've seen and i was like oh well don't you I think, think every like, twin eh? peaks fan in the world is going like he's gonna <laughs> yeah, wake up like, right now uh-huh. <laughs> yeah we all, I, I think we all thought that but it didn't happen again i, I did um, like that i did i did like that um seen I, I don't think Naomi watts says anything Janie E says anything other than she's no. Well, one thing she says is going to take him to the doctor. Well, yeah, that's the other thing, which is good, right? <laughs> About time. In. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing that um, that you're missing uh, from the detective uh, detectives Fusco and Bushnell scene was that um, we get information, we get a lot of like information about Dougie, basically that um, oh, he yeah, was in a car right. accident 12 years ago. So maybe there's some kind of latent, maybe that's one of the reasons why so many people are accepting of his Dougie-ness is because he was in you know some kind of accident 12 years ago. But the cops, they say that they don't have any information from Dougie, like no tax records, no birth certificate, um, like no, no anything prior to 1997. Like he doesn't, there's like he doesn't exist prior to 19, 1997. And I think this story is actually taking place in 2015 when they actually were shooting it, um, because you know the 25 years. Well, actually, I think the original show, the timeline was 1989, so very well maybe 2014, but give or take a year. So that would mean there's no record of Dougie. Um, prior to 97 so there is only a record for say what is a 97 and 14 is 17 or 18 years so this has to be related to the 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 one our man's message that he was manufactured correct well i mean they're they're leading us to believe that obviously the fusco buddies the detectives think that he was uh, maybe in the fbi's uh you know witness protection program or something like that but yeah it alludes to the fact that maybe he was created in 1997 by evil coop uh maybe he knew there was some sort of uh even even back then, he needed to lay this trap because the you know the lodge has got all those rules, and they need <laughs> how many years that this is right, going to you know right. needed. So let's plant this early. So yeah, I think that that's, that's well, that makes period. sense because um, it, it, because with him having a family, you know, obviously you know meeting Janie E, courting her, wooing her, getting married, and having a child, it makes sense that at least he was around for some time. Uh, before meeting them as opposed to just being like manufactured. I think some people were speculating that that whole, um, like the Rancho Rosa, that whole Vegas you know, setting was 
like an alternate reality or maybe in 2003. But I think we're getting our answer here is that Dougie was manufactured by Mr. C in 1997. And uh, the detectives were just, their minds, they, they, they're not going to go there with, you know, they don't know anything about the lodges or anything. So they're going to think like something like witness, you know, uh, relocate or relocation, witness, the witness protection, relocate, whatever that is. Um, but um, so, yeah, so I think that's what it is. And they also got his prints from the coffee mug, which I think is another, we thought maybe that. The crime. Oh, that's weird. They're gonna run him. It's gonna pull up Evil Cooper's. <laughs> no, gonna it's gonna pull him. up Agent Cooper. He's not Evil Cooper. But, it's gonna because those are but his it, prints. But aren't they all the They're same? Not Dougie's. Isn't everyone's, isn't everyone's prints the same prints? Like Dougie, well, Evil Cooper, Cooper. Mister C's prints has the the ear of the uh, spiritual finger has the reverse print on it. So that's how you you know can recognize his prints. I think Agent Cooper is gonna have the same prints that he's always had, and I think Dougie. Um, his prints, that's a mystery. I mean, probably the same, you know, as, as Cooper. But um, or no, it can't be because yeah, they could just run them, and if it, if it, they are the same, they'll come back and hey, this is Agent Dale Cooper, and they bring him back. They have a big party, put the hats on, the kazoo, the kazoos, <laughs> everything, <laughs> and he doesn't remember anything. It's like uh, you know, he's kind of well, been Dougie probably's never been printed before. That's the whole thing. Since he has, yeah. say he's like, say hypothetically, he's like fifty years old, and he, when do you think no, he was manufactured? He was manufactured as what, like a 30-year-old? Like yeah, like in 1997. So that would put him, if he was 50, that would put him at like, say, 33. And he, he there's probably no prints on file. So when they go to run the prints, then I think they're, they're going to come up with Agent Cooper. But I thought the scene when Ike the Spike attacked Cooper and he went full Cobra was, and, and the, the news camera, the news you know people showed up afterwards and was interviewing, you know, uh, the uh, the bystanders. I thought that Cooper was going to make the news, and that someone was going to see it, like in the FBI, and then that's how they were going to get to Vegas. But now it seems like maybe it's through these prints. Yeah, and I did like the end of this scene because the cops got tipped off that like the spike was involved, and they went and tracked him down, and uh, they busted him, and he went, you know, without spiking him or attempting to spike because his spiking hand was injured. Uh, yeah, because they right. said they literally like pulled your palm print off the his whole palm, right? Did he say like off, your whole palm? Yes, yeah, whole palm off that gun. So that ties into that weird theory that like somehow Dougie's got some strange like superpower that confused skin. He's he's so powerful. That was that was interesting. So I guess yeah, uh, and I, I, I really liked, done. Yeah. I I liked the the musical cue which was. Deer Meadow Shuffle, which was in yeah, Firewalk Yeah, we got some me. of that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. and I liked it. I think it helped the scene because the pacing, as you said, was a little slow, but I think that was um, was deliberate on Lynch's part. But I loved that musical cue in Firewalk With Me, and I loved it here, and it really just added another you know level to, to that scene. I loved the, the detective's Fusco, you know, meeting Ike the Spike. I, I didn't think there was going to be any big confrontation or anything. But it just, it, I, I just liked that the music choices because right after that, we cut we need right that. to it's Twin Peaks. Yeah. There was another musical uh, cue which was very prominent in uh, in Fire Walk With Me. Remember that scene with uh, Laura and Bobby in the woods and, and he kills uh, Deputy Cliff and, mm-hmm. and he's trying to bury her and it's playing that kind of twangy oh, guitar. Yeah. They had that, that little musical cue in the uh, the transition between um, 
Vegas and the Twin Peaks scene at the sheriff's station where we saw Lucy and uh, Andy oh, trying to buy a chair. What did you think about that scene? Uh, that scene, I was not a fan of because I think the pacing of the Fusco detectives <laughs> kind of bled into this scene, which was just, you know, frankly to me, you know, no offense to the fans of uh, Lucy and Andy, but that was kind of semi excruciating. Um, you know, but you know, it also showed that you know, Lucy, they're just playing games with each other, aren't they? They love each other. They're just playing games, so they're happy. They're never going to divorce. It's great. They just got a red chair. <laughs> they got a red chair, Tom. Maybe something's going to happen. I like that they're playing the study. You know, they're already clearing out Wally's room, throwing his shit in the garage sale. So, but they're getting a red chair for their study. Maybe it's got some lodging elements down the road. What do you think? Oh, one <laughs> other thing. I'm sorry. Yes, before we uh, talk about this scene, just briefly, is that um, before Ike, the spike is you know caught by the police he makes a phone call to someone and his message is to a jt whoever that is i thought maybe it was dt at first like duncan todd but i think it's jt and he says that uh basically his his message is no cigar which i think means that he was unable to knock off dougie and that he's taking medical leave which i think means that he's uh, he's flying the coop he's taken off so um JT, I don't think that you know has any kind of relevancy, but you know who he's the hell it. knows. Yeah, but he's the uh, the Andy and he's reformed now. That's good. What's that? Maybe he's reformed. Maybe he'll like you know become a cop or something. Turn himself in. Ike the Spike. Yeah, he'll become an informant or something. He's, yeah, he's become... yeah. <laughs> Turn state's evidence against two. Well, I don't know, but uh, maybe well, so he was we hired by someone. To... Do you even would you think that he knows who hired him? Because he received that envelope. In his motel room, someone like slipped it under the door with the, the the cryptic, the mysterious black circle on it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about Ike the Spike. I was just ready for him to move on and close the door on Ike the Spike, and that was it. Okay, uh, all right. So that's that's all I think about Ike the Spike. Well, yeah, the, the Lucy and Andy scene that just, I, I mean, really, my favorite Lucy and Andy scene in this whole series so far is um, that I, that felt like Lucy and Andy, where they actually felt like the actual characters from the original um, series was with you know. Wally Brando when their son arrived. Yeah, being silent. And they didn't really have much dialogue, right? Being silent. But just their facial expressions and... And Lynch, I think Lynch's direction was just like, never let go! Like, he just uh, (laughs) hold on Right, they both had their hands. Yeah, right. Yeah, keep... But, yeah, this scene, I just... You know, I just... It's really my major quibble with this whole series so far is I, I just think the Lucy and Andy scenes have just felt off. And I think one of the main reasons why... Uh, is because they're not being helped out with like any music because the scenes are so drawn out. There's a lot of pauses. And here we are again going back and forth. Didn't you think almost when they're looking at the chair that one of them was going to go say, one of them was going to say, this is the chair, the episode title? Oh, no, I wasn't even thinking that. I was just one, I was like, oh. just humming. I was humming trying to get through it. I was just like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you were humming? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, lo- I don't hate it that much. It doesn't bother me now. I'm just actually, you know, I just kind of tune it out. You know, it's like, it is what it is. I'm, I watch it, but I don't love it. But it's, you know, it was whatever it was. We moved on to some important stuff, you know. We got, we well, we got move like on. Lynch on. Yeah, we got like a, a Cole and Albert. We got the whole, we got Diane again. I didn't think I'd see Diane again this, in this episode, and we did. Well, no, we have one really interesting scene right in between oh, there. And it's, yeah. do you know what it is? The Briggs scene? No, no. It's Johnny Horn. And now, that was later on in the episode. No, I believe that was right there, right after Lucy uh, was well, the that's, chair. That was, <laughs> that was a great to see Johnny's alive, but is he dead now? But we got to see Johnny running, Didn't... frolicking. He was free in the horn-like <laughs> manner. 
Just he going didn't nuts? look well. He, <laughs> he ran into the wall. He looked fine. He didn't <laughs> ran into the wall. That was bad. But, you know, he seemed like he was having... He was, I wanted to see Johnny, and there he was. Well, there, but, but possibly yeah. dead and Sylvia yeah. freaking out. And did you notice to the left of his bloodied head was a photograph of the falls? Yeah, the falls. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I did. Wasn't Johnny banging his head? Were we supposed to laugh? Because I was laughing. But like, what does that mean? Like, we're now going to see a a funeral, and Audrey's going to come in, and everyone keeps thinking like, oh, we're going to have a funeral scene. Like, maybe we're not, but people. That's I know that that's like a funeral scene for who? For Johnny, if he's dead, it would at least bring Audrey back, right? Everyone's clamoring. Well, don't you find it uh, quite comical that here we are now in uh, through nine hours, nine parts, and we've seen the entire Horn family, including Sylvia and Johnny Horn, but we have not seen Audrey Horn. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah. A lot more born family than I thought. Well, wait, was that a full shot of uh, Sylvia? No, she just, you just saw really kind of the side of her face, I think. But uh, yeah, that just it, just the, the placement. I mean, we have not had, obviously, any scenes with Johnny Horn, Sylvia Horn, any mention. We don't even know if Ben's still married to her, but obviously, I think, you know, he is. But to have that scene, you know, just put where it you know in that particular place with really no setup i mean it's it's really comparable to some of the, the scenes that we've got you know in the uh, previous episodes like i'm thinking primarily of jacoby and um also that first ben and jerry scene in the very first episode which was i think like the second or third scene um and then we didn't see ben and jerry for like several episodes so um, you know, we don't see Big Big Ed. We haven't seen well. We see Nadine, but briefly. We haven't really got much of, of Norma. We've just got one shot of James so far. One scene of James. But here we have this this kind of violent scene of Johnny Horn running into the. And it's it, like it is funny. I was laughing too, but um, I'm just it's curious placement for me. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would think we're going to get some. This kind is like the of, exposition plot show, so paper has got to have a plot reason, right? Not necessarily. Do you think the Jerry Horn scenes, the, the last two scenes, the, the scene that we've had in this episode and the, the prior scene? Where he's... Maybe. That's what I'm saying. Maybe he's got like a little baby uh, extension, evolution of the arm, like, you know, inhabiting his foot or something. Maybe he's what did been that... running around Doug Poland so long that they're starting to <laughs> seep into him. Was that voice, did it say, I am not your foot? Yeah, Jerry's in the woods, stoned, presumably, and he's looking at his foot, and he, his foot talks back to him just like a lodge member. He goes, <laughs> I am not your foot. And he's you know, like, I would what? bet. <laughs> I would really? bet that Lynch did that voice and like did some reverb and pitched it high. I bet that was Lynch's voice. I mean, I'm he's sure good. we'll I'll... never find out, but I could see him really voice, getting a but, chuckle uh... out of that. Well, yeah, I thought that maybe like that's you know why he's been so tripped out in the woods. You know, I've, I've you know smoked drugs in my life and I've never uh, had a weed that's ever been as strong as what he's experiencing. So it appears like maybe there might be a Dugpa type thing going on, or there might be something out there that's tripping him out. That's not just. Uh, the head games of the drugs he's smoking or so. sparkle yeah it could Maybe. be sparkle you know there's a, there's some other we see some other kids later on i've been wanting to sing young, young actors and we saw sky ferreira the the musical uh, the musician and she's in a scene and they maybe they're tripped on sparkle maybe everyone's tripped on sparkle i think a lot of people are tripping on sparkle yeah i don't think uh jerry is just like super high right now i think there's either it's something like excuse me that you said that, that he might have seen something in the woods or something is you know, saw him, or you know, he has just completely lost his his mind on on Sparkle. It's certainly not weed, but I, I I love this this version of Jerry Horn. I mean, I'm, Jerry Horn is per, is a personal favorite of mine from the original series. Murphy and I call each other Brother Ben and Brother Jer, nom de plumes. So I just love this version of Jerry Horn, and and uh, 
I hope yeah, we, we get saw the more whole Horde family except for Audrey. We saw Johnny. We so, saw right, Sarah, we got the right. whole family in this episode. But no. Well, what about Betty? So we the, this is the we 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 go into I believe the the, the scene yeah, that Betty follows. Briggs. Fine, we've been waiting. Right, and we thought that Betty might have been Hastings' secretary in South Dakota. That maybe her and Garland Briggs yeah, had good like thing she's gone not, underground. Yeah, but obviously she's not. So do you want to talk well, about good that things scene? because the secretary's dead? Yeah. So, but uh, uh, yeah, it was a great scene to see uh, the Briggs household. Looks like they remodeled it since the nineties. Very nice and homey. Um, and so they invite in. They invite in the. I think Bobby's like, "Hey, mom, I'm home, and I've got the you know Sheriff Truman and Hawk with me." And they come in and talk about. Uh, they didn't even get actually. I don't think they even got to the, the the missing pages or anything, right? They just came in and she's like pulled a log lady on them, and said like I, you know, Garland knew you guys were going to come. He he predicted this and he told me that when you did, um, that Bobby would be here, you know, with you as a you know, I guess a, and presumably a part of the the law. But um, there was something she had something for them, and she walked over and said this is the chair and uh, pushed a little James Bond button and out popped this little silver. Uh, I don't know what it is. What do you, would you describe that is as I just some kind of like thin cylinder you know, contraption that didn't yeah, have a cylindrical space. A key thing. Of any sort. Yeah. Like yeah. a little, yeah, I don't know what it is, but um, it was kind of an emotional scene, you know, with Bobby and she was, you know, talking about it really echoed back to that scene in the original series when major Briggs was having the Huckleberry pie and uh, Bobby and him, had, he shares a vision that he had uh, with Bobby about his positive future, being on a vast friend uh, and all that stuff. And uh, so it, it harkened back to that. And Bobby was touched that, uh, you know, Garland, his father, um, had predicted this and predicted such good things for him. Um, so, yeah, I like that scene. And we got a huge, big plot, you know, piece right here. What is that clue? You know? Well, I think that uh, they didn't show up there to talk about the the missing yeah, pages they... that were found. I think um, it's more in line that that they know that Cooper, since that's the big revelation from the missing pages, that the the good Cooper is in the lodge and the bad Cooper, you know, left the lodge. And if there's anyone around, it's probably the the bad Cooper. But he was known to have gone to see Major Briggs, and uh, right afterwards left town, and then Major Bru- Major Briggs presumably died in that fire. So I think what they did was they wanted to go speak to Betty about what maybe um, Major Briggs had told her about his meeting with Mr. C because I think in the fourth episode um, when Bobby sees Laura's um, a photo um, on the, 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 the table in the conference room that uh, they ask about uh, Cooper and then that's when he offers that Cooper saw it was the last one to see my dad. So I think they're just kind of like tying the, the pieces together and that's why they were there. And uh, Yeah, overall, when Hawk said, what's that? Whenever in episode four or whatever right. it was with Bob. Yeah, so they're picking that yeah. up. From, yeah. yeah. So no, I, I love that scene. I'd love to see uh, uh, Charlotte uh, Stewart again. I mean, she's she's someone that has worked with Lynch. Uh, she worked on uh, Eraserhead, his first film. She was Mary X and is one of his close cronies. One, I think, you know, going back, you know, probably one of the few people that is uh, still living from from Eraserhead, obviously Jack Nance has passed, and 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 uh, uh, Margaret or uh, Catherine Coulson, the log lady, who wasn't in the film, but she worked uh, behind the scenes and was very instrumental in and in, like raising money and and making food and helping out with the production. So I think you know Charlotte Stewart, he's just you know one of the old old gang, and it was great to see her, and I thought she was wonderful. Um, here here we have kind of an expository scene, but I thought it was it was uh, extremely. Uh, well done. I like there was some music in the background that was uh, 
uh, very helpful and point. I think it was another music cue from the original series. And just the, this is the chair and the contraption. And then, and I liked how it ended with like, you know, because she offered them coffee to begin with and they were like, oh, no, no, thank you. And then after this kind of revelation that Major Briggs like knew that they were going to come there 25 years prior and give them this secret, you know, whatever this, this cylinder is or whatever what's in it. And then everyone's just kind of processing it. And then she goes, well, how about that coffee? And everyone's like, there's like a palate cleansing right there. And I just like that. That ending, it was just. I think Briggs uh, probably prophesied. He probably prophesied that they would have the coffee. <laughs> as well. would, she knew it. Briggs is. Yeah. I mean, talk about being omniscient with Mr. C. I mean, Briggs is like a fortune teller. We'll get yeah, into that. Yeah, he's really in a uh, bit. coming into being like almost like at giant levels, like in some sort of white uh, spiritual. Uh, you know, he's a human, but he's got something. I mean, we we learn a lot about him. Whenever they finally break into that little magical uh, cylinder, they get a clue. They get a real, real life clue from twenty five years ago. Well, do you want to get into that scene right now? Do you want to talk about that? Well, since we're here, yeah, let's finish it up. I think let's cruise on into that So, because that, that's what it is. What's in that? And we find out in this episode. What do you think, first of all, before we get into that? Because right before they return to the sheriff station into the conference room, we see Deputy Chad eating his lunch and reading a magazine. And I just liked how nobody fucking likes this guy. He collects they his They wouldn't even get the door for him. They, they wouldn't even get the all his door food for him. <laughs> A little help? And then Hawk reluctantly opened the door yeah, for him. I love, I love that. I mean, I, I just I found that very funny. So basically, um, Bobby knows, right, what that thing is. And I thought that was uh, a little uh, interesting, like, uh, character, like, performance. Uh, Bobby seemed like the old mischievous Bobby kind of like came through at that point like because yeah. i think sheriff truman said are you laughing at us and he was like yeah. well yeah i kind of am i mean he's still still got that little kind of mischievous bad boy in him and i, and I like that well he took them outside and and uh, take us take us away on that Murph. uh well no he just he knew how to break it open and it was like a little he had to pop it so he popped hit threw it on the ground and it then he had to it's made a little sound like it was some sort of like a hum uh, and they showed Hawk, and he was like, what? You know, and then he threw it down again, and it, then he brought it back, and it opened up, and it unraveled like a little carrier pigeon-type message that had been scrawled on little pieces of paper. Um, and you must have freeze-framed it, because I didn't know what was, but there was, explain what is on those pages, those little clues. Well, I did. When I was watching it, I, uh, when he, when Sheriff Truman, like, you know, you know, kind of unfurled it, I just hit pause really quickly, and the first thing I saw um, was the symbol that's on Mr. C's Ace of Spades. Um, it is right there. There are three symbols. There's a red circle, which looks like a sun, or it might even be, a, it's not going to be a balloon, but we've had a lot of red balloon imagery in, in prior episodes. And then and there's a red also square like a we red... saw in, in Las Vegas. And that guy's yeah, here right. That, yeah. And there's also like a red crescent, um, like uh, right above that symbol that's on Mr. C's playing card. So... Um, on that little piece of paper, there's some interesting information. Basically, it's another um, callback to the 253 mentioned by the evolution of the arm. And we thought that originally in part two, that that meant the time that you know Cooper was supposed to leave the, uh, the, the Black Lodge and Mr. C was supposed to return. Because in Mr. C's car, when he's driving, I mean, it's very specific. They show it a couple times. Lynch shows it that it is 253 and then in the the purple room i believe the american girl played by phoebe augustine who was renette in the original series she looks at her watch and it also says 253 well on this message from briggs it says that 
um, there's two um, there's two references to two five three. One of them is an actual time on October first and October ten or October first and October second, where they're supposed to go to this place, which is called Jack Rabbit's Palace, which Bobby knows because uh, Major Briggs. Used yeah, he named it. Major Briggs took him there as uh, as a young boy, and they would go there and spend some uh, quality father and son time together. And but they're supposed. You said to it was a place by the station where he used to work, right? Yeah, Listening Post here. Alpha yeah, LPA, which we know from mm -hmm. Mark Frost's book, The Secret History of Twin Peaks. That's where Major Briggs's station was. So I think that this location is relevant to what. Um, um, in episode eight, in the first uh, episode of the second season, where, or excuse me, I'm sorry, the second episode of the second season, when Major Briggs brings Cooper the message. Remember the the radio oh, garbage, yeah. And then the owls are not what they seem, and the then Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. Well, that is the second piece of paper that Briggs in in this that, this message, and it only mentions two Coopers. But if you notice. There is like a third Cooper. They ripped it off. A, they ripped it off. There's a yeah. C in it. Yeah, you see the, the C and, and, and the O. But he tells him that on the night that Cooper was shot, like they were monitoring, you know, deep space at the time, but they received a message within the woods of Twin Peaks that had, you know, the owls are not what they seem and then Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. Well, my thinking is that this message of Major Briggs that they're reading here in, in you know, present time is that particular location because it tells them to go 253 yards, I believe, east of Jack Rabbit's Palace. And then at the, on that particular day, October 1st and October, I don't know if it's like they're supposed to spend the night there, but there were two dates, October 1st and October 2nd. But they're also... I think it's 253, or I don't know if it's, is it p.m. or a.m.? We don't know. Is it 253 a.m., 253 p.m.? Oh, we don't know. Right. Maybe that red... Days? Circle it indicates like a sun, which might mean like daytime. But then there's that red crescent there's over the, crescent. the symbol. Yeah, so. Could mean nighttime. I don't know. <laughs> if I got that, I would be there either. I would be at either. Right. Sure. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Both. So there'd be right. four opportunities. Right. Well, there's another message. Do you think this is going to lead to like Twin Peak fanatics going to wherever these coordinates, if they lead somewhere in real life, like having like 10 1 and 10 2, like 253 parties, like for the rest of time now? Well, there are other coordinates that we'll talk about in a little bit. I think that these coordinates are going to be the ones that people are actually going to be fanatical about and speculate and actually maybe go. Oh, so on this is not hunts. the coordinates to the White Lodge. You're saying you got to go here. That this to go because I like that he alludes to like, well, Bobby, we're going to go on a spelunking trip up to this place. You know, and it reminded <laughs> me of that episode with the log lady when they all go out for a trip, and so you know, Hawk and the whole gang and, and Bobby's going to go up to this place, and so you think that that place is going to be another clue. Or some other place that's good. Because are we still looking for like what the coordinates to the White Lodge and the entrance? Is that what the we don't know yet? Because we haven't started. We haven't talked about Major Briggs yet, and uh, what we find out from uh, Bill Hastings and his scene with uh, being interrogated by Tammy Preston. Because that whole let's not we're not going to this very second. But I didn't get a White Lodge vibe from that. But to finish up this message that um, Truman Hawk and uh, Bobby are are reading. That there's after they go to this location, that they're supposed to um, leave before they leave Jack Rabbit's palace. They're supposed to put some soil from that area in their pocket. So when whenever they arrive to that location, which is 253 yards east of it, they're going to come across something. They're going to need. Some, it reminds me of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Remember when Indy had to collect that sand? At the very yeah, the beginning? sand of weigh it. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm thinking like the soil might. 
maybe there's some fire or small something related to fire that the soil will put it out or I mean I don't know but I think that obviously they're, they're gonna need so they're gonna come across some challenge something and they're gonna realize that the soil that they collected which is maybe not holy but you know very spiritual will be very significant in, in you know, going on or whatever or, or, or thwarting something or stopping something that is preventing them from moving forward but I don't know if that's the White Lodge I don't know I always took Major Briggs's message uh, that they received back in the original series that he told Cooper when they were monitoring deep space I always took it that it came from Glastonbury Grove you know where the Black Lodge is but this place I'm assuming is not Glastonbury Grove it's another place and if it is the White Lodge um, what do you think that uh, it, very interesting that the Black Lodge would be in Glastonbury Grove and then in close proximity there's the White Lodge like maybe like you know seven miles away or whatever it seems interesting that the Black and White Lodge would be so close I always thought they may have occupied the same like space but um, time was the, the difference in, in entering either one of them uh, well yeah maybe there's like locations all around the world but where if you you know for every one into the black there's a nearby one to the white like you know maybe there's because they're all maybe within if you step back they're all in the same space you know proximity wise but not like exactly but within the same woods you know or right. wherever the other ones are so I guess that's what we're going for I mean I don't know what else the these coordinates could lead to you know I mean we could still speculate what else do you think they would lead to but these aren't the coordinates other than the or or, you know this is gonna but this is we're all all the all everything is leading to the same thing right like everyone's trying to get to the same it is like a mad mad world I think I don't think there's any multiple I think everything everyone's trying to get these the coordinates is gonna lead to the same thing eventually well yeah I think that these this location I don't think that these are the what they have on their message um, from Betty is coordinates um, it's obviously just a message because Major Briggs uh, prophesized or saw that it would be Hawk Bobby and Truman who would come to get that so he knew that they would be on the side of good and had, didn't have any you know uh, fear of them using that for any kind of like you know mischievous means that Mr. C wants the same information he wants because the symbol on that message of which is the same symbol on Cooper or Mr. C's ace of spades that's it. I think that's the location. That his coordinates that he wants from Hastings is lo- the location in Twin Peaks where they're going at Jack Rabbit's Palace. Right. I think. Yeah, I think that's connected. I agree. That's what I'm saying. I think it's the same thing. Oh, so were you, you saying that? And I just like totally reiterated. Yeah, I mean, that. I think it's all clear that we're Sorry. everyone's looking for the same thing. So we're all it's all, all the plot lines are going to converge, and I do like that we're going to get a Bobby, <laughs> you know, because Bobby represents you know Major Briggs, and and I'd like to get into talking about him and, and all the mythology that they. Yeah, let's jump into uh, that. Matthew right Lillard. Now. I mean, talking about we you were talking about last episode about wanting to have a surreal scene with Matthew Lillard, you know, perhaps echoing Lost Highway where you see the night that uh, Ruth died and uh, we got something similar. He got a confession. He, you know, Tamara Preston shows up with Lynch and uh, they interview him and he, you know, he tells him what happened. Like uh, you probably could, I only watched it once. So you can probably tell a little, a little bit clear about what exactly uh, happened when he met the major. Um, yeah. Right before that though, when they are in the morgue, I, I, you know, there's a little bit of, of exposition that we've already you know got with, um, when Lieutenant Knox arrived, but I loved the little. Did you get this vibe? The little flirtation between Constance and Albert. <laughs> did you see anything no. there? <laughs> but I am mad they didn't end the episode with Constance doing comedy. <laughs> Watch no, that scene that. again. They, I really believe that they they are 
they are flirting. Well, that's and nice. she's into yeah. Albert. And uh, I like that. That was a nice little added touch. So basically, that scene before Hastings, what we're getting at is just connecting the dots. Cole and Albert go in the hallway and... They talk out loud. They talk <laughs> out, loud. out loud. <laughs> they're thinking out loud. Let's think this out loud. <laughs> right, right. And they're connecting the Still dots fun. between uh, Major Briggs, uh, Mr. C., Cooper, they don't know he's Mr. C, they call him Cooper, but I think they, they know that he is not the special agent Dale Cooper that they that they knew once. And Twin Peaks, like I think it's even mentioned, I think um, Twin Peaks is mentioned in that scene, I, can't, I think it was Cole who mentioned Twin Peaks. So that's it, I mean, we, we know or we assume that all roads are leading to Twin Peaks, but here it's so nice to... To, to hear that, to have these scenes, to, to have our characters try to uh, connect all these dots. But um, it does, the, and then, and then um, Cole says, let's talk to Bill Hastings. But before we talk to Bill Hastings, another little you know, scene, you know, a brief scene where Cole and Tammy go out where Diane is smoking. And, in the waiting room. And, well, no, they were in the waiting room before, which is, yes, the Cole. Although she's outside smoking. <laughs> and and Cole is, if you watch that scene, he is just looking at her cigarette, looking at her, looking at her cigarette, looking at her. And then finally he just reaches out and she gives him, and we know that his character gave up tobacco years earlier. We know Lynch is a smoke fiend. But I loved it that Lynch was just, he wanted to take a drag. It had been so long. So he took a drag. I, I, and, and Tammy said... I laughed out loud. That was a great scene. Tammy goes, when he takes the cigarette, she goes, like, Gordon, like she's, you know, she's you know not approving, disapproving. And my immediate thought was... Well, they're fucking, right? I mean, isn't that like kind of the insinuation that you know Cole is and Tammy uh, are not necessarily um, because you well, remember that scene with Albert. People, like, you, know, you want people around you to help you, not you know to continue to do it. So yeah, but I mean, she's his underling. I mean, I mean, I don't think that she would just say that to her boss. He can do whatever the fuck he wants, unless it was something more um, to their relationship. That's at least uh, how I yeah. read it. And I, don't I think, think so. There's, she's very special. He's obviously going to bat for her, you know, trying to get her on these special cases and stuff. So they obviously she she's also his muse in real life and in this story. So right. That. And we know Lynch loves a fine Bordeaux, and you know we heard like him call sweetheart that one scene where Albert. Yeah, I wonder if they had an affair because they must have spent the night in Buckhorn, right? Because <laughs> yeah, when they were right. flying back on the plane, they were wearing different outfits, or at least uh, Laura Dern. Diane was, was yeah. And Di- yeah, yeah, and I believe uh, so was she. So yeah, maybe they had a little liaison. That's why. That's why they stayed over. I was like, why would they stay over in Buckhorn? They should just fly right back. But maybe that was uh, maybe this little subplot. They're gonna fall in love. Well, okay, so the Bill Hastings scene, which was right, the Bill Hastings or scene. Or falling something, yeah. The, uh, a great scene. I mean, he when we first see him, he is just. <laughs> he's so great. He's he didn't have the beard. Out. I was hoping he was going to have a beard. You know, so he's been in there. His hair is all white. Right. And white like Leland. That would have been no. great. White hair. That would have been awesome, my He friend. looked like he had just literally been crying the entire five, six yeah, episodes. Know, right? We had not seen him. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Oh, it was great. So it's just great to see him. But this is like, I mean, just a dump, a, like an exposition Oh, dude, this dump. is a giant bombshell. And you and I are kind of mixed feelings about how he delivered this. But uh, go right. ahead. Talk about it. Well, there's a lot. I mean, basically, they know. They discovered that, <laughs> that Hastings and You're Ruth. Wondering. I told you they were, gonna, they were doing their own science project. You know, the kids. <laughs> They were, they, they were writing <laughs> a blog. It was like, what was it called? Like the zone or the zone, the yeah, zone. Enter the zone. Yeah, they're, they're searching for the zone. But they're searching was, for um, another time, uh, time portal. Or they, you know, yeah, and uh, there, I mean, there's so much information in this scene. But basically that um, I think like two weeks ago or two weeks prior 
to the like the like maybe even the, that scene or maybe the murder of, of Ruth Davenport. Like he he had written one final uh, blog post that said I think something like uh, um, they're, they're entering a different dimension or they're about to go into a different dimension and we're meeting the major. So that was like his final yeah, like, like message. And then so Tammy starts to interrogate him, and then he just starts telling him the whole story, basically the whole back the backstory. Yeah, Tammy got him to spill his guts. I wonder yeah, if he hadn't that, spilled his guts like that to anybody else, but he's telling it to Tammy. So yeah, so Hastings was like apparently he's like a big reader, and he's always been interested in these things. And he hooked up with Ruth, who was also interested in it. And Ruth brain. apparently is very good at uncovering hidden records, and <laughs> apparently that means that she could find a portal to another dimension, which is just. Absurd, in my opinion. I've never heard anybody but, say she's you know. really good at finding. Or did you say finding hidden records? Is that how uncovering? I think uncovering it's uncovering hidden, hidden records. records. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, but um, they had to be like at a certain place and a certain time to enter the dimension. So apparently, it was soon, and they wound up uh, like going there and making contact with Major Briggs, who was. They went. Do they go into the White Lodge, or are they going through to a Glastonbury Grove type? Exp- Situation. Well, this obviously is near Buckhorn, I would assume, and uh, I, and I mean, I don't know. It's got to be a portal nearby, right? I mean, it there's has something, to be. but I mean, I don't. I mean, I think that yeah, it's like a portal of some sort. And they said that they found Major Briggs hiding there, but then he said <laughs> that Briggs told them that he was hibernating. Which I imagine is, a vision like Bob hiding behind Sarah Palmer's, like you know, little like just like Major Briggs hiding like that. Crouched over, hiding in some sort of scene. Oh, you mean like hiding behind the bed, like Bob yeah? When they found him, yeah, they hide. They found him hiding behind the bed. <laughs> He's like, oh, what do you? But oh, yeah, hey. so, <laughs> so out of like this whole thing, like Mister C, Philip Jeffries, you know, Black Lodge spirits, woodsmen, you know, William Hastings and Ruth Davenport uncover hidden secrets, and they're the ones to unlock the key to finding Major Briggs. Yeah, they should have been space. bigger characters. They, they uncovered the key. The entire, like, Ruth Davenport's uncovering the hidden uh, secrets, that's an entire movie into itself, or an episode at least. Yeah, now he says something about, like, like other people, like, before, um, who were trying to find him, and that he wanted to, and this is Briggs, wanted to go to, like, a different place. Um, and then what he did was, is that he asked Hastings and Ruth to get him the coordinates and what they did was they, they found them in some secure military database. They're also um, hackers. They're great researchers <laughs> and hackers as well. Right. Awesome. Right. And uh, so they found those. And then they um, apparently Ruth wrote them on her hand so she wouldn't forget them. And then, <laughs> and then they brought them back what? to Briggs. And then it. that's when shit went down. That's when... Uh, things it sounds like, like maybe a Dugpa invasion occurred or something, right? What well, happened? but before that, right? He, oh, he goes up into the... Yeah, t- keep going. So, yeah, he says that um, when they brought the numbers back or the coordinates back to Briggs, that um, um, that um, he ascended, I believe. And yeah, he, like the giant? Yeah, like, he uh... called out like Cooper, Cooper. Like those were his words. And that his head... I mean, this is how I took it is that his head like detached... Or disappeared? From his body. Or, yeah, what happened? Like a Dougie? And I was like, float- did it happen like Dougie when his head disappeared inside the lodge? Like no, that? I don't think like that. I think it was very similar to Sooty, you know, in near uh, Hastings' cell oh, in the second man. episode where his head just that. levitated and the body disappeared. But, I, I mean, I'm assuming that 
that Cooper, that Briggs knew that um, that space was now being compromised because what Hastings says is that other people were now there and that they like had held him on the ground, like held him by his neck and like ordered him to tell him who his wife was. Yeah, who is that? It's, it's well, I mean, I'm assuming the other people were like uh, the woodsmen, but it could be like I can't Mr. imagine C. the woodsmen like you know, where's your wife? Like, why? Know, right? Why do you want Phyllis? What's the deal? Well, we know Mr. C is connected to Phyllis somehow, or at least she knew him. Um, So I don't know, but apparently that's when Ruth was, was murdered. Um, And then, and then Hastings just woke up in his bed. And that's why I think he assumed it was a dream, but obviously he knew it was more than a dream because they had uncovered these uh, hidden, you know, figures to find major Briggs. So, okay. So that's basically, he said like all these people, he didn't say men, all these bearded crazy men, you know, (laughs) he defined them as people, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I would assume that since the shit went down at that point, that there were people like trying to find Briggs. I think it would be people, you know, associated with like Mr. C, if not Mr. C, and or the Woodsman Jeffries. Um, it could have been like. I think this place is like this, this spot, this hot spot that they went up to. I imagine like when they found like uh, whether it's like Glastonbury Grove or whatever, but it's like you know, uh, it's just like uh, the New York box. Like it's it's a it's a hot spot. So. They teleport in, then, you know, I think that's that's why everyone was there, like, that, that Mr. C or whomever it was knew that uh, Briggs was there because it was, like, another, like, you know, way station, like a, a portal resting spot. Well, here's the thing, too, is that— There's a lot of these now we're seeing. We should get Mr. C wanted the coordinates from Ray, who apparently was the contact to Hastings' secretary. So my thinking now is that um, that location— uh, even though I think that, that the coordinates that I think that 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 she has, it leads back to uh, Twin Peaks or near Twin Peaks with Jack Rabbit's palace. But um, um, well, now that I think about, it, I'm 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 thinking that Mr. C had to be there, right? Because Philip Jeffrey said in episode two, "You met with Major Garland Briggs." I think that's it. Mr. C had to be one of the people in the zone, with quotes. Um, when uh, Briggs is it just ascended. the zone, the White Lodge, or like you know whatever we've been seeing, you know, right? It could be. It could. Be. It seemed like positive. It didn't seem like he was surrounded by a bunch of demons and horrific things. It seemed like they were enjoying it, kind of like right, hanging out, with Mr. Briggs. Well, Mr. no, Briggs. But Hastings said it was like beautiful when yeah, when, it was beautiful. Uh, the giant, yeah. when the giant when the reminded me of the giant when he you well know, it did it was a callback to, when the giant did the same thing. He ascended and instead of his head, yeah. you know, floating away, he created this this golden emanation, which basically. Uh, Turned into a gold orb, which uh, housed the uh, homecoming photo of Lord. But what Palmer. did Major Briggs create when he ascended? I think what happened was is that he, like, at that point, his head, like, I think he knew, like, okay, my, you know, my who we know is Major Briggs, like, my physical self is no longer here, um, and he knew that the shit was going to go down, and he somehow did his magic trick, and his head you know, separated from his body and I think went on to another plane. And I think we saw, well, not we think we saw, we did see his head in part three, you know, when Cooper uh, was with the, uh, the, the woman with uh, no eyes in the, the astral plane, we saw Major Briggs's head say Blue Rose. Yeah, maybe that's all you need when you move on. You just need your head, kind of like uh, Baron Munchausen, <laughs> like uh, Robin Williams's character in that movie. Uh, that's all you need. But I mean, yeah. So uh, there's so. I mean, I think we could really spend like probably an entire, you know, episode of a podcast just talking about this one scene. And I think that's what we'll probably do. Like when we revisit this, 
uh, in a few days. I think this is what we'll focus on. We'll focus in on the Hastings um, interrogation scene because there are so there's so much information in this scene. But on a um, cinematic level, um, I was a little disappointed because um, I I didn't want to be told about this scene. I would have liked to have seen it. Um, well, yeah, everyone wants to see it. It's like number one screenwriting. <laughs> Rule. Well, I know. Well, I don't need like some like fifteen minute scene. It would have been see. great, but like it would have been. Uh, Maybe they're running out of CGI money. <laughs> it would have been entirely CGI. But that was my only real <laughs> quibble with it. Even though I thought it was very. Compelling. I want to see Matthew Lillard in the Black Lodge or some sort of lodge. I want to see him freaking out going through astral you know time. I want to see some weird shit. Happen do what do you think that. that's the end of Lillard? Since we got our exposition dump, does he serve any greater purpose now? Uh, I, that's a good question. But do, I really don't know. I have no idea. Probably not. Maybe not now. Oh well. But are they going to? I mean, they want to go to where he was. They want the coordinates. And so, did they get them? Did they get the coordinates from him? Did who did he, get the coordinates from him? Lynch and uh, Tammy Preston. Did they get the coordinates that he spoke of? No, no, and I don't so know. No one, I don't think so he, Tammy see, just, he didn't. Or, or Ruth took took him with her to when she died because she well, was see, that's washed that, off. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know if he had the coordinates. I mean, he said that Ruth wrote well, Ruth them wrote them on her hand. Yeah, but so his secretary had them. So either the secretary got them from Hastings or got them from Ruth. So we don't know. And we also found now the Ruth. That, yes, the secretary's dead now. Right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because that was what the, the episode, episode two. Yeah, they said right. That a long time the car ago. was wired. So that we finally got, and we had thought that that was maybe Betty Briggs, and of course that isn't, and uh, she's dead. So so all of this is now starting to coalesce. It's all starting to make some kind of sense. We said we got that symbol. Cooper's what he wants desperately. We now we now know it's related to the message that Major Briggs wrote um, to um, Bobby Hawk and Truman, and it's related to this place near Twin Peaks, near Listening Post Alpha. Um, and they're going to be going there. I think that's where Mister C is going to go once he catches up with Ray, because Ray has this information. That's how Cooper's going to know to go back. But I find it very interesting that it's all that's going to wind up right back where Cooper was at the end of the second series, he went directly to Major Briggs um, to possibly get this very same information and uh, either didn't get it or, I mean, I, he, I don't think he did get it because if he, if he did get it, he, you know, he, he wouldn't have this whole like plot here. But now he's going to wind up going to the same exact place. I would think that Mr. C would pretty much assume that whatever this location is, whatever the relevancy is, whatever it means, was probably close to where Major Briggs, you know, was located. So we're going to wind back right, right we're going to ride, uh, wind right back in Twin Peaks. Yeah, this whole world tour is going to lead us right back to Twin Peaks. And maybe not ever, ever explain what uh, Buenos Aires was all about. I have no idea. But it's well, no, I mean, that's... We're getting, yeah, we're getting, we're, gonna, we're, we're slowly moving the plot forward. We need episodes like this to, you know, give us the exposition so we can, uh, you know, this was a little clunkily done in a way. It wasn't like as great as episode seven in its execution, in my opinion, but it was still really entertaining. And I think it'll be wonderful once we uh, see it in the context of the entire, uh, you know, series. So, yeah, it was... Uh, do you have any final thoughts, buddy? We got Yeah, it was that. very similar to, um, I believe it was episode five, which was... Um, a very was a, a great episode. I think episode five was this one where it started to feel like things were starting to kind of come together after the first four hours, where it was really this four-hour movie, which the main plot was getting Cooper out of of the Black Lodge and you know into Dougie, and then episode five 
we got like you know the Dougie character. We started getting into Twin Peaks proper, and it felt and there was some exposition in that scene, and it felt like okay, it was a nice little like you said, a little a, a palate cleanser, and that's what this episode felt like, um, especially coming off the the fantastic episode eight, the, just this iconic. Um, episode, which I, I believe will go down probably as one of the greatest hours, if not the greatest hour uh, hours in television history. But um, overall, I, I, I mean, when I watch the episode again, like an episode like this, um, I always, of course, find more things. But I enjoy it more because when I go in cold, I'm just I'm, I'm giddy, of course, of getting new Twin Peaks. But um, I'm also you know, there's just so much going on and I get impatient during certain scenes like um, the Lucy and Andy scene. And then the, the when I see the Roadhouse, I get very impatient because I know that we're going to end. But when I come back to it, um, I always like, you know, it, it just it just feels fresher. It feels like, you know, more enjoyable. And uh, and overall, I think that's how it's going to be like over the 18 hours. I mean, I don't think there's going to be any point where I'm going to be like, you know, kind of nodding off or kind of fast forwarding. This really is an epic you know, eighteen hour off. feast. Well, you know there are a couple of scenes, right? But oh, before we we leave, just briefly, um, even though I don't think it has some great relevancy to the plot, but we did get a scene at the Roadhouse where we got like a band, but we got Sky Ferreira and another woman, um, and they're they look kind of you know strung out, and uh, it reminded me of. Uh, Renette and Laura in Firewalk with Me because some of the dialogue is very similar, like uh, like losing your job or getting kicked out because of drugs. And I think there was one line in particular um, that was almost exactly verbatim from Firewalk with Me with Renette and Laura. Of course, we have the brunette and the blonde. I don't know the meaning of it, but um, I'm going to screw Sparkleheads, <laughs> perhaps Sparkleheads. Yeah. And she had something with her armpit. She was like. Yeah, a little rash sc- going there. Scr- uh, scratching her armpit. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. It's overall, much. I mean, I enjoy the episode, but there's just so much to get into with you know the Hastings and Major Briggs and uh, and and Mister C, the coordinates and what it all means, and uh, I'm excited, looking forward to see where we're gonna head. I'm super excited. I thought it was a great episode. Uh, it was perfect for uh, transitioning into the plot and. Uh, my only final thought is just I loved um, the pose that David Lynch gave when he was sitting outside watching Diane smoke a cigarette. It reminded me of Jimmy Stewart, the way he was looking down at her, his hand in his pocket. And uh, it reminded me of the FBI story poster that was on Cooper's wall and that American flag. I know the patriotism, the old FBI man's coming out. So I still feel confident that he's coming, and I can't wait to see what uh, the next episode brings. Um, we're definitely going to be talking about, uh, or we're going to be uh, giving another podcast in the next couple of days, but... Uh, if you can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, and you can email us at uh, choppywoodinside at gmail.com. Um, until next time, thanks for tuning in.